0: Welcome to the Photography Q&A Podcast. Hey, how's it going? I'm Andy Jones from 50mmframework.com and this is episode 57 of the Photography Q&A Podcast. Later in the podcast, I've got some photography news, but first, I purchased a new lens. Very exciting times. If you listened to the episode a couple of weeks ago, On macro photography, you'll know I have a new direction for my photography. I love macro, I'm getting a little bit obsessed with it. I started off with a set of three extension tubes that were 13, 21, and 31 millimeters in length. And you put the tubes in between your lens and the camera body, and you can use any combination of the tubes between your lens and body. I used a 50mm 1.4 lens with the different setups of the extension tubes, and it gives you varying uh, magnifications. I think the highest magnification was 1.4, I think it was. But there was a problem. The tubes that I bought cost around $30 Canadian, which is very cheap for camera equipment, especially if they're in between the lens and the camera body. From what I heard online, any of them will work, but... They're very lightweight plastic. They didn't instill me with a lot of confidence. Let's just say that. If I knew then what I know now, I would have spent a lot more on the on the extension tubes and I would have bought a recognisable brand. I think Mikey was the one that I was looking at. They were about, I think they were close to $150 and 150 to 30 What could go wrong, really, you know? Anyway, the main problem was that they flexed. When you put all three on, they flexed an incredible amount. If you just put the 31mm extension on, didn't flex as much, but they still had a little bit of trouble. Even though they were locked in place, like you put them on like a lens, turn and it clicks, even though they were locked in in that position, they still had a, a couple of degrees movement, left or right, which that should not happen. You, well, you don't want that to happen because you've got contacts. It said that it would it would let me use autofocus, and I didn't want autofocus. I didn't even try it with autofocus, but the lens still needs to talk to your camera body. And because it turned a little bit left or right, it was losing contact with these contacts <laughs> and was popping up error messages. And it was nothing at first. You just turn the camera off, turn it back on, everything reset, and it was fine. So I had to be super careful. When I was using all three, I had to be so careful. It was getting to the point where I couldn't get the pictures because if I supported the lens in any way, there was a slight movement and an error message would pop up. Anyway, after a week of errors, locking my camera up, and at one point I had to remove the battery to get rid of the error message. And it was at that point I thought, this is getting really ridiculous. And I was trying to get ISO 50. Now... To do that on my camera, you have to use custom function settings to set different parameters for my camera. Like The, the settings that you get when you buy your camera can be changed uh, from changing what a button does, changing yeah, changing how you select your aperture or your shutter speed. You can change the wheel that's used or the button that's used. You could do super high ISOs, which I didn't use, but I wanted ISO 50. So that was one of the settings I used. You can also change the... You can change actually anything on on a lot of cameras. Not all of them have all, as many options. Uh, mine is, a, well, 13 years old now. It's a 1D, which was top of the range at the time. And it had all the bells and whistles. So it's got multiple, multiple different settings I can change. So I would set my lowest ISO setting from 100 to 50 you can change, out, like I say, change auto autofocus points. You can change absolutely everything. At this point, when the errors were getting really bad and that last one where it locked the camera up totally and I had to remove the battery, when I went to use ISO 50, it would only go to 100. And I couldn't get any lower. And I looked in the settings. Yeah, I'd set it to 50, and it wouldn't do it. And there was a couple of other things that when i was shooting normal photography not shooting macro that it wasn't the way i changed um, the way that i changed my focus points on the on the screen it wouldn't let me do that and it was it was just driving me mad and i thought oh i'm going to have to buy a new camera anyway luckily i was able to build a new group my camera allowed me to select different groups and have different settings in them so i set a whole new one up and it works fine i'm good the camera's fine I'll I was a little stressed out because I, I, like, just the thought of buying a new camera is, like, it's a lot of money. Uh, But then I got a bit excited thinking, well, maybe if it is screwed, I can go and get a mirrorless. But no. I talked myself out of that one quickly and fixed it. So after this happened and I got the new group set up with all the new custom settings, I didn't put the extension tubes on again. So my options, once I'd fixed the custom settings, do I buy a better set of extension tubes? a new lens or just stop shooting macro. So there was no way I was going to stop shooting macro. This is my, my new baby. This is what I like doing. So it was down to the extension tubes or a new lens. The tubes that I hoped, like still, again, you don't know, like, yeah, it's a na- a good name, but you, I wasn't 100% sure they were going to stop the error messages, would cost me around $150 Canadian. So that's like 25 bucks US, I think. I could get a cheaper one times magnification macro lens for about two fifty. I think it's seven artisans they're called it's another Chinese brand. I watched a few reviews on it, and it had a few aberrations when you take the images. There was some weird color edging on a few of them. still a nice lens, but two fifty for something I really you know it would bug me it really would bug me, and all I'd be thinking about is getting a better lens, so I quickly forgot about that lens. The other option was by Alaowa, L-A-O-W-A, which is another Chinese brand, but they just seem to specialize just in the macro photography. And one of those gave two times magnification, which is just incredible. They have some that go up to five, but I didn't want that. I just wanted up to two. And that would cost $499, 500 bucks US. So as you can tell from the title of the podcast, I got the the lens. And I got the allower. It's a hundred millimeter F two point eight and it's two times macro, up to two times macro. You can change the settings obviously. And it was four ninety nine from B and H and B and H don't charge me for shipping here to Canada. And the exchange rate worked out cheaper than buying it through a Canadian company and paying the shipping as well. So I was happy with that. It's a fully manual lens, which is fine for macro. And using live view, you can zoom in and Just get your uh, focus unbelievably crisp on uh, on the screen on the back and you get some beautiful pictures with it for flowers and stuff. But for insects, you're just moving the camera in and out and getting focus in that way, so it being manual is fine. And you can also use this lens for regular portrait work. 100mm is a good length and it's an f2.8 and it is tack sharp. There's no aberrations, it's just a really good lens. I'm, I'm very pleased with it. And if you are getting the Canon EF version of the lens, it allows you to change the aperture in camera. If you get the Sony or the Nikon fitting and they have uh, adapters you buy with the lens for other models, I think Pentax they do one for, you have to do the aperture on the lens. You just turn the dial to the aperture. But for my model of camera, it works just perfectly. I've been using it for a little over two days And the photos I'm getting are just incredible. I was taking pictures of some small flies that were on the plants at the front of the house. Now, they're not like a a blue bottle, as we used to call them in England, or a a house fly or a deer fly, which are quite a, a good size. These little flies were a third the size. And I was zooming in on these guys, and you could see the detail in their eye. It's incredible. I did one the other day of a beetle, tiny little beetle. It was probably two millimeters long and it had one antenna. The other antenna had been, I don't know, fallen off, broken off. I don't know. His ex-wife took it in the divorce case. I don't know. But you can see the buildup of his eye. It's just, it's it's wild. Anyway, I'm not only doing insects, I'm doing flowers and that kind of thing. Um, I did a good shot of a dandelion that's gone a seed. I'm just so pleased with the pictures that I'm getting with it. One thing that makes shooting macro harder is weight. The lens, it's well-made. It's metal construction. It isn't light. It's not as heavy as my 24-70 to Canon lens. It's not lightweight plastic, which I'm pleased about. But my camera is by far the heaviest piece of the kit. My 1D is... Is huge, and I'm trying, I'm hoping I can use one of my daughter's Canon 60D bodies. The 60D has an, an APS-C sensor, which is a full crop sensor, and that will allow the subject to fill more of the frame. My 1D sensor is an APS-H, which is halfway between the full crop and a full frame. The 60D is also half the weight probably less than half the weight of my 1D, and it has the bonus of a flip-out LCD, so I won't have to lie down when I'm taking the images anymore and get covered in ticks and everything else that's in down in the field. Anyway, and it's also got a couple of megapixels more than mine, so it's, I think it's at 18, which is a uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm pleased with pleased. It doesn't worry me too much, the megapixels. Like I said, the images I'm getting... With this lens are so detailed like you can see the I took some pictures of some flies you can see the detail in the in their eyes the color of their backs their legs the hairs on the body plants and flowers are totally different from what you you see with your naked eye. The detail in some of the stuff is just it, it's mind blowing I just love it. The only thing I've got to deal with and learn how to do properly is the depth of field because. The depth of field with these lenses is just a sliver. You're not talking millimeters. You're talking well. I don't know. You can, you can when you're looking at the size of these flies and you're seeing that just the the one eye is in focus and the rest is is all out of focus. The the depth is so tiny. So you, there's no use checking PhotoPills app for the macro depth of field because you're just not going to get it. Now what I need to do is master the fine art of photo stacking. Now I do it with my moon pictures. I don't think I've used it for any other th- anything else. Um, and basically, with photo stacking for macro, you stack together. I don't know how many. Maybe if you got four or five images, and they all had a different focus point on the insect that you're taking. So you need to use your, your high-speed shutter, which my big camera, my 1D, does 10 pictures a second, which is perfect, but like I say, it's it's heavier. So the 60D only does five pictures a second, but I think I can get away with that. Five pictures in one second is still excellent, and I'll be able to get that. Even if I can get two or even three pictures, if I'm lucky enough that I can stack, it'll just give a greater depth of field to the final image. Which is what I'm after. But like I say, I'm going to have to report back on that one because uh, it's going to take a bit, of, a bit of practice to get the hang of it. I'm sure I will. Other people can do it, so why, why can't I? Okay, so that's the update on my macro situation, my lens situation. And now I've got a little bit of news. Now, so this article is from Digital Camera World website. Thanks to Paul Poldus in the Facebook group for sending me this over. The headline reads DSLRs are back. Sales increase 132%, while mirrorless cameras decline 57%. Now, these figures are from the United States, and they're not worldwide, but I'm sure the same thing's happening everywhere. So it looks on the face of it, the headline, that DSLRs are everybody's choice. But when you really read in and you look at it, the big problem at the moment with mirrorless cameras is the supply of components. They just can't get the components. So when people are buying their first camera, they're turning up at the camera store, the electronic store, wherever they're going, and they are buying what is available to them. At the moment, DSLRs, they've stopped making most of them. So there's still a huge stock available and they are highly discounted. The price is lower and lower and uh, there's more incentive to buy for first-time buyers where a seasoned photographer that's been shooting for a few years and wants to upgrade is probably looking at the new mirrorless bodies. And they're going to know what they want and they're going to wait for it to come into stock. So I don't see this as DSLRs making a comeback. It's more mirrorless cameras are not available and DSLRs are heavily discounted and readily available. So the the first-time buyers are jumping in, scooping them all up, and I don't blame them because there's some great cameras out there and you can get a good deal. So it's a great headline, and it got my attention. But when you look into it, it's understandable. All right, that's it for this episode. Follow my Instagram channel for my daily photos. There's a link in the show notes. And there are going to be lots of macro photos, so stay tuned. Okay, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.